This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for January 7th, 2021. A Trojan horse in the form of a cryptocurrency app appears. Could messaging platforms ever be cross-compatible? Apple loses a copyright suit with security implications, plus notes on notifications. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. How's everything going over there for you, Kirk? Oh, it's pretty miserable. How about you? (laughs) Oh, no. That's terrible. Um, I thought 2021 was going to be different, but it's exactly like 2020. (laughs) Give it time. I mean, you know, we're still right at the beginning of the year, so. But we're just going to keep doing what we do, talking about security and Macs and stuff like that. And today we're going to talk about notifications in the second part of the show. But first, there's a new rat, and you like talking about rats. Tell us about Electro Rat. Yeah, so it's got a fancy, fun, you know, exciting name, Electro Rat, and uh, the uh, company that's it's got a logo. This. Yeah, it's got a little neon rat head logo. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, that's it. Uh, you've got to have a cool name. You've got to have a, a cool logo. You know, if you want to get any press for anything anymore. So, um, so yeah, they they came up with a little um, neon rat head. Uh, uh, with with yellow whiskers to show that it's electro rat, I guess. Um, anyway, so this is um, some a, a new remote access Trojan, and um, it's your standard Trojan horse, really, in the sense that this is distributed through an, an app that calls itself eTrader, and uh, and it's supposed to be a cryptocurrency related app, so you wouldn't be downloading this uh, unless you actually use cryptocurrency. Isn't E-Trade a stock market trading company? Yeah, and this is very much unrelated to that. Um, so E-Trade is, is a legit company. E-Trader is an app that uh, maybe is trying to play off of that E-Trade name to make it sound legitimate. I don't know. In any case, yeah, so it's a, it's a remote access Trojan. So that means that once you install this, you know, you download this Trojan horse thinking that it's uh, going to let you trade cryptocurrency or whatever, um, you, uh, you get this software now installed on your machine that's actually malware. And it, it gives a remote attacker a lot of capabilities to, um, to exploit your Mac in various ways. A rat basically means that they have essentially full control over your Mac. They can uh, use your Mac as part of a botnet to attack other systems on the internet and things like that. Doesn't the app also request access to the camera and the microphone? Well, yeah. So uh, the original write-up doesn't mention anything about that, but Patrick Wardle actually did some uh, disassembling of this yesterday as we're recording. Uh, he he published this on Tuesday this week, and um, he found that there is capability built into this app to be able to activate the camera and the microphone, among other things. Um, so this is actually not uncommon for rats because, uh, you know, if somebody is exploiting your computer, they may want to do, you know, a number of different things. They might want to turn on your camera and spy on you in that way or, or turn on your microphone. 
So since it's a remote access Trojan, that means that anyone who's on the server that this malware is connected to could decide to look into your Mac, could say, well, let's pick this Mac at this IP address and see what's going on. But on the Mac, they would still have to ask permission to use the camera and microphone, right? Well, right. Yeah, that that is something that um, is uh, the re- recent versions of Mac OS do prompt you um, to allow a particular app to use your camera or microphone. And it would be it, it should be very suspicious to you if there's not a particular reason why the app functionality requires you to turn on your camera or your microphone. Um, you should be very suspicious if an app suddenly asks for that type of permission. Okay, if you ever want to check on your Mac, and this is a good idea to do this every now and then, go to System Preferences, Security and Privacy, and then you'll see a whole list of different types of permissions on the left side. And if you click Camera, you'll see which apps have asked to access your camera. So on mine, iMovie has asked to access the camera, Google Chrome, Skype, which we're using now to see each other, but also 1Password. Do you know why? Uh, probably it has something to do with uh, scanning QR codes, I bet. Exactly. So there are apps that will want to use the camera for limited things. Um, I have the app Delicious Library that you can use to catalog things like books and CDs, and you can use the camera in your Mac to scan the barcodes. But yeah. if you do go to those settings and you find um, some apps that you don't know there, first uncheck them in the settings and then maybe just look at the apps and delete them. So the same for a camera and microphone. Uh, you may find more that can access the microphone like GarageBand accesses the microphone Evernote because you can record voice notes, even Microsoft Word, because you can dictate using Microsoft's own dictation tool. The other thing that's kind of interesting about this is just the wide distribution of it. You would think that with this type of app, there wouldn't be that many people who would download it. Um, but uh, the the company that discovered this, they wrote it wrote up a pretty lengthy article about it. And they say that um, there are already thousands of victims, they believe, um, who have actually downloaded and installed this rat. Um, the other thing that's kind of interesting about it is they say that it's been around since at least January of t- last year, 2020. So um, this has been around for apparently at least a year and possibly longer than that. You know, that that's kind of interesting that, you know, there, there's malware that's gone undetected for this long. Um, of course, uh, Intego and other companies are now starting to detect it now that uh, we're uh, we're aware that this malware exists. It, it had it had limited distribution in the sense that only certain categories of people would be likely to download this. And really, when it comes to cryptocurrency apps, we've mentioned this before, you really have to be careful. If it's not an app that you know you can trust, you should probably avoid it because um, there have been nation state actors and, and others who have made Trojan cryptocurrency apps. So be very careful when you're downloading them. Before we started recording, I kind of likened this to um, jailbroken iPhones that we've always told people, you know, jailbreaking an iPhone is really risky. And I think doing anything with cryptocurrency is really risky. The the decentralized nature of all this, the fact that anyone can make apps and, and anyone can potentially um, infect apps because these aren't apps that are necessarily code signed. They're not on the Mac App Store. It is a kind of a wild west. So... I I doubt that many of our listeners are into cryptocurrency, but be careful. This is one of the more dangerous areas, I think, these days. Yeah, and it's not that the cryptocurrency concept is dangerous. It's it's more that um, there's there's it, it's like you say the app marketplace is kind of the wild west, um, and that's why you've got to be careful. 
Okay. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the new privacy information in the Mac App Store and the iOS App Store. And WhatsApp was updated um, today. We're recording on January 6th, telling you that you will be sharing data from WhatsApp with Facebook. Okay. So this might be a little bit overblown because WhatsApp is owned by Facebook. And so... Exactly. <laughs> like, and there's a system on iOS where apps from the same company can share information, right? So WhatsApp is owned by Facebook, the company Facebook, right? So um, it makes sense that certain things that WhatsApp uh, is able to do or to track about you um, would necessarily pass through Facebook servers. It's not necessarily going to stay in WhatsApp core you know, servers and things like that. So I, I, I get from that perspective, they need to disclose that, hey, what, WhatsApp is part of Facebook and therefore there are certain things that uh, Facebook is going to be able to find out if you're using WhatsApp, the app. So the the specific things that they say that they're um, that they've updated in in their privacy policy, um, they say that um, WhatsApp's um, uh, service and how we process your data. They've got some updates related to that. How businesses can use Facebook hosted services to store and manage their WhatsApp chats. Um, so this would be a, a scenario where you're using it for uh, for corporate purposes and things like that, rather than for personal use. And um, they also updated how they partner with Facebook to offer integrations across the Facebook company products. And that kind of relates somewhat to some of the things that we were talking about, integration with other Facebook services. Remember that Instagram is also owned by Facebook, and I would expect Instagram to be updated with something similar soon. Yeah. And, and you know what? Um, so WhatsApp is, uh, is a great app when it comes to um, sending secure private messages to people. It's used widely in other countries. India is one of the countries that really has adopted WhatsApp and just about everybody there uses it. Um, it's also very popular in a lot of other European countries, especially. Um, and, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with WhatsApp. It is concerning to some people from a privacy perspective that it's now owned by Facebook and has been for quite a while. If you like the idea of the security that WhatsApp provides in terms of like end-to-end -end, uh, private messaging, um, Signal is a, an app that uses the same protocol and it doesn't have all the other Facebook cruft. So if you're really concerned about privacy and you want the capabilities that WhatsApp has, you can find all those capabilities essentially in Signal. So you can make secure end-to-end -end calls, you can do text messaging securely. Um, the only thing is, of course, like any of these apps, the, the person on the other end has to have the same app that you have. So um, you have to make sure the other person actually downloads Signal um, you know, otherwise, uh, you can't have a conversation over that platform. I guess we're never going to see interoperability across messaging apps because I essentially use messages and nothing else. Um, but I know people who use a half a dozen or a dozen different messaging apps because they may work with a company that uses one app, well, Slack, for example. Um, they may have some friends that use one and some friends that use another. It really is a mess, but I don't see any way that all these apps are going to agree on some sort of protocol. 
Well, and that's one thing that I find kind of interesting about this, even though WhatsApp and Signal are using the same underlying encryption technology and everything, um, at least to, to my understanding, there, there's no way for those two to interoperate with each other. And that's by design, right? They don't want um, <laughs> Signal users probably don't really want to accidentally message somebody and have it show up in their WhatsApp because, you know, what if Facebook might have compromised my conversation, you know, if they're really concerned, that concerned about privacy. Um, people using WhatsApp might not really care if the person on the other end uses Signal, but it doesn't work, you know, the other way around. Um, so yeah, interoperability, that's, that's going to continue to be, uh, <laughs> kind of a problem with these secure messaging platforms. You really have to have the same app on both ends and it's just going to continue to be that way. Okay. We've got two related stories. Now, a couple of months ago, we talked about how Apple was planning to ship special iPhones to security researchers. And I asked if Josh was going to get one. He said, nah. Um, these are technically rooted iPhones. They're like debug iPhones because Apple has reinforced the way iOS works in recent years. And that's why we don't hear much about jailbreaking. Um, previously, security researchers would actually jailbreak phones to be able to access uh, different parts of iOS. So they're starting to ship these phones to security researchers. And at the same time, Apple lost a copyright um, suit against a startup called Corellium that was able to virtualize iOS so you could actually run the iOS operating system on your Mac um, in order to get a little bit deeper into it. Right. You could actually use the Corellium software to essentially debug iOS. Uh, developers know that you can use Xcode, Apple's um, application for developing software for Mac or iOS. Um, and you can do a lot of things related to a, a development of a particular app, um, but you don't get to virtualize the entire operating system. So in other words, you, you'll see what your app looks like on iOS, but you don't really get to dig deeper and see how the operating system really interacts with it and things like that. Um, debugging is um, a capability that is really useful for going uh, a deeper level and finding out, okay, what's going on really behind the scenes. Um, and that's something that Apple doesn't offer to that same degree that um, that Corellium was offering with essentially virtualizing all of iOS. That's quite a bit further than Xcode goes. And Apple didn't like that because, uh, you know, that also means that people are going to be able to find uh, vulnerabilities in iOS much more easily. And Apple wants to control that. That's why Apple is now offering these uh, essentially rooted uh, debug-enabled iOS devices to select developers that Apple chooses, that Apple vets and says, you're okay to have this. Nobody else can have this. And um, so Apple was upset that Corellium was essentially offering similar capabilities to just anybody, and they lost their suit. So Corellium can continue to sell these uh, virtualized iOS systems that can run on macOS. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about notifications. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users since 1997, and our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected in 2021. Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection, Net Barrier, powerful inbound and outbound firewall security, personal backup, 
to keep your important files safe from ransomware, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Big Sur and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. Intego, world-class protection and utility software for Mac users, made by the Mac security experts. Hey, Josh, have you made any New Year's resolutions? Uh, let's see. Um, exercise more, I suppose. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of the standard ones. Try to eat a little eat, bit more eat healthy healthily. Food, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so far, I'm failing on both of those counts, but I, I'm going to get better. It's part of my New Year's I'm resolution, sure. so I have to. Okay, so here's a good idea for New Year's resolution. Call your notifications. We get lots of notifications. We get notifications on our phones. Some of us get them on our watches. Um, we get them on our Macs, our iPads, etc. And I have an article on the Intego Mac security blog about managing and securing notifications. Um, th- there's two things going on here. One is that if you have fewer notifications, you'll just be less distracted. Instead of all day long your phone pinging and getting those little notifications up in the top right corner of your Mac – You'll be able to work with a little bit better focus. You'll be less um, scatterbrained. Uh, you know, we're not really made to multitask, and uh, we've all done it. We've all had to get notifications for certain things. But you know how it is that you're you're working on something for five minutes, and then boom, an email comes in, and you you switch over to that, or boom, you get a text message. But the second thing is security for notifications, and this is particularly a problem with an iPhone and an iPad. There are some settings that can allow people to read your notifications. They can read your text messages when your phone is locked. They can see a lot of different notifications. So, Josh, are you a notification, what would we call it, a notification phobic or a notificationophiliac? (laughs) What would be the words here? Okay, well, like we talked about, um, I don't know, several episodes ago, we, um, we we suggested that you might want to hide previews when your phone is locked. Um, and that's one of the things you cover in this article. Um, so I, I make sure that I have that enabled on, on my phone so that if somebody else picks up my phone, they can't see the content of any notifications, which I, I think is really useful because I do like being able to look at my lock screen and, for example, see the contents of a text message or find out what was just delivered to my door, you know, my latest Amazon delivery and things like that. Those kind of things are useful to me to just check at a glance. I don't, I'd rather not have to completely you know, open up my phone, get past the lock screen, but I also don't want other people to be able to glance at my phone and see those things or pick up my phone and see those things. So um, I, I, I like notifications, but I do limit which apps push notifications at me, and I also make sure that not everyone can see the notifications looking at my phone. All right, so let's first talk about hiding the notifications. And this is the same on the iPhone, iPad, and Mac. You can have notifications that show when your device is locked, as you mentioned. Uh, If you get a text message and you've got it set to show a preview all the time, 
maybe not the whole text message if it's very long, but people will see the beginning of a text message like, you know, hey, Josh, are we meeting at 630 for drinks? That kind of thing. But for emails, it's the same. The subject line of an email displays on a notification. So there can be a lot of information that can show up there. Now, one of the problems with a uh, an iPhone with Face ID, I just picked up my iPhone and I really didn't look at it, uh, but it automatically unlocked. So any notifications that were there that weren't visible then expanded. Uh, this means that if you're sitting next to someone, say you're on a train, you're sitting next to someone, you take out your phone, as soon as it unlocks, even before you go to unlock it, right? If it, the Face ID gets set off, people can see what's on your phone. And let's be honest, it's not too serious usually, but you never know. Maybe you've lost your phone and or someone's stolen it, and then they're able to see the text messages that someone's sending you, and that's kind of serious. That's right. And and again, it's nice to be able to uh, enable that feature to prevent other people from actually reading the content of, of that of those messages that show up on your on your lock screen. Um, I highly recommend if if you haven't done this already, it's a very good idea to to at least do that. Um, now, of, of course, if you actually lose your phone, you probably want to. Um, you know, remotely wipe it and make sure that you get all of your data off of it too. Um, if, if you are sure you're not going to find it, um, it, for example, you can use find my iPhone. Some, sometimes you may have just misplaced it, um, or, or you can track down where it is, but, um, yeah, but other than that, uh, it's better to just wipe it and uh, entirely rather than just trust that nobody's going to be able to break into it because they don't have your face or your fingerprint. If you have an Apple Watch and you've misplaced your phone, you can do this. So I just tapped the little iPhone button in the control center on Apple Watch and it makes the phone ping. And I find this really useful because every once in a while I forget where I've left my phone. Yeah, this is a super useful feature, and I, I definitely use this all the time, and my wife uses it all the time. It's it's so easy for, you know, a, a, if you've got a phone in a pocket and for it to just fall out on the couch and get in between the cushions or something like that, or or maybe you just put it down on the counter and you forget where exactly you left it, you just know it's not in your pocket anymore. Yeah, so this is a super useful feature if you have an Apple Watch. So, um, showing previews when unlocked, this also applies to the Mac, and you might not think on an iMac it's really important, but if you're away from your desk at work, do you want people reading the beginnings of your text messages and emails? <laughs> but also, if you have a laptop and that gets lost or stolen, it's just like an iPhone. Um, the same kind of information is going to display uh, if you have this. So. On iOS, you can go into settings notifications. You can choose when previews display. On the Mac, if you go into system preferences notifications, you can choose a pop-up menu at the bottom of the window to display previews when locked or unlocked. You can also do it for individual apps. Now, there may be some apps where you want notifications. I have a weather app. When I get a notification of a weather warning, I'd rather see the whole thing on my lock screen. I don't really care um, if someone else sees it on my iPhone. Um, but for other apps, you definitely want to hide this. How many notifications are too many? Do you leave a lot of apps sending notifications? Now, in the early days of the iPhone and iPad, I thought it was so cool. Oh, wow, I can get these notifications. And some of them are real time. If you have a, a Mac.com uh, email account, you can get push notifications in real time, which isn't the, the case with other IMAP accounts. 
And very quickly, I realized, you know, as it was kind of like watching a tennis match. Like I'd be sitting down and I'd hear something on my phone and I'd look and then I'd go back and then I'd look and I'd go back. And very quickly, I turned most of them off. I, I find that notifications is one of the worst things for our attention span these days. Personally, the only emails I set for notifications are VIPs. So I have a couple of people who are VIPs, my partner, my son, a couple of friends. Otherwise, I don't want notifications every time I get an email. I do get notifications for text messages, um, but there's only a handful of other apps, say my weather app, for example, where I get notifications. What about you, Josh? Um, yeah, I, generally speaking, most apps, um, I don't need notifications. Uh, most of them are kind of like things that pester you or interrupt your workflow. And I, I don't find that very useful. So I, I don't want to get, for example, news alerts constantly pushed to me. I will check the news when I'm ready to check the news. Um, and, uh, and a lot of other things like that, especially you'll find that I think third party apps tend to be m more egregious, you know, abusers of push notifications than Apple official apps for the most part. Um, and, uh, that's one of the first things that I do is I make sure not to enable notifications, um, when an app prompts me to, uh, unless I really know I'm actually going to need it for that particular app. Yes. By default, when I install an iOS app and it asks if uh, it can send notifications, I say don't allow. You can always go into the settings and allow it later if you think that that app's going to do something useful. But if I've downloaded a game just to try it out, I don't want notifications. Um, for, for me, notifications are for productivity. Uh, messages, mm -hmm. calendar. I, I have OmniFocus that I use to manage some of my tasks, and I get notifications for that. I use deliveries to follow purchases and deliveries, and I like to get notifications for that. But do you really want to get, I don't know, do you really want Game Center to send you notifications? Do you want Google Maps to send you to display banners of something that, I don't know, you've driven near a place that you might want to go buy things. Because now Google Maps isn't called Google Maps anymore. It's called Google Maps in Transit or something. Yeah, they, they do uh, some other things too. They're trying to sort of integrate features similar to Yelp. And and really Apple Maps is doing the same thing too. Um, they they want to be your one-stop you know, place to go if you want to decide where to go rather than just be a navigation app. Yeah. I, I think the worst thing is if you use, say, Instagram or Twitter to get notifications every time someone likes a photo or a tweet. Yeah. Um, if, if you are a bit popular, that could be really annoying. <laughs> yeah, it could be very obnoxious for sure. The problem with notifications, though, is that this is one of the smarts in the smartphone. And it's almost as if people expect the notifications to be there to remind them of the phone's presence all day long. And since I've had an Apple Watch and I get notifications from the phone to the watch, I'll get a notification, I'll glance at my wrist, I'll say, oh, there's a notification from Dark Sky, my weather app. Pretty much always means it's going to rain. Um, so <laughs> if I need to know more, I'll tap it. But just being aware of that is enough. Other than that, I just think notifications are just, it's just overload. Yeah. So be selective about it. I, I certainly recommend the same thing from a productivity perspective. Um, it really doesn't make sense to get interrupted for every little thing. So um, if you haven't looked through what apps can send you notifications, if you haven't looked through it recently, 
definitely go through that list and um, think about it for each app. You know, when was the last time that you got a notification from this app? And if it's one that's bugging you a lot, or if it's something that you just know you'll never need notifications to get pushed to you from this app, then just turn it off. And you can always turn it back on later if you decide later that you really needed some reason to have notifications enabled for it. So there's one other area where you can get notifications, and that's in your web browser. And uh, I assume most web browsers do this. I only use Safari. I'll get, I'll go to websites and I'll see a, a, a screen asking me if I want notifications. And in my article, uh, I use an example from Business Insider, which isn't just sending notifications. It's offering me four categories, business, life, news, and reviews. And I can choose the ones I want. This is really annoying. So it's a it's a sort of a push system that can be used to for the browser to get a notification and display it with your notifications. Now, one of the problems is that these can be dangerous and they can be used for phishing because sometimes um, ad network can be compromised and ads on websites can send notifications. And this is really a risk that needs to be avoided because generally, if you get a notification, you're going to react quickly. You're just going to tap it right away. You're not going to think too much about whether it's dangerous or not. Right. And, and sometimes you might um, think that you're going to a legit site. You know, maybe you clicked on a, a link in a search result. And um, as soon as you get to that page, it, it prompts you to, uh, sh- to allow or block notifications for that page. Um, and if you allow it, um, you might end up getting, you know, malicious uh, notifications or, or spam advertisements. It could be any number of things that you really don't want. Um, so be very careful about this. And in general, uh, like, I don't think I have any website at all allowed to send me notifications because generally speaking, a website should not be sending you notifications automatically. That's not something that you need. Um, if you really need notifications, from that website, chances are they probably have an app and you would be better off just getting their app and using notifications through their app. That's a good point. So I'm I'm just looking, um, if you go into Safari preferences, websites, and then notifications, um, you'll see websites that have asked for permission to show alerts and whether you've allowed them or denied them. And one of them, for example, is Slack. Now, I use Slack for a couple of projects, but I don't use it a lot. And that is a service and app that actually notifications may be useful for some people. But you're probably better off using the Slack app than doing it in your browser. My suggestion is at the bottom of that window, uncheck where it says allow websites to ask for permission to send notifications. That way you just won't be asked at all. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I do the same thing. So I, I absolutely agree. Um, if if you want to be prompted, sure, leave it on. But if you don't even want to be prompted, if you know you're never going to have any website send you a uh, uh, push notification, just turn it off. There's no reason to have this on. This is one of the most useless features, I think. I understand why they implemented it, why this is a is part of kind of the, the browser standard now. But um, yeah, I just don't want web pages able to push stuff to me at any given moment. And remember, these web pages can push even if you're not on the website. Uh, yes. In other words, it's it's creating a system where it's sort of it's got your profile. You don't have to have a web page open to get notifications. Like, so if you've signed up for breaking news notification from CNN, you don't even have to have the website open to get those notifications. Exactly right. Okay, that's enough for this week, Josh. Until next week, stay secure. 
All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe in Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you'd be so kind, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com.